0: ask you to do something this morning. We're going to be in uh, two passages this morning. One we will be in the book of Proverbs in a moment, and then we'll be in 2 Corinthians. We'll be in like th- three places this morning, but uh, those two primarily. But I want, I want to ask you to do something with me this morning just as kind of an exercise. We did this at lunch Wednesday with some of the guys we were talking with, and man, it was helpful to me, and, and I hope it would be helpful to you as we continue to worship. That's, that's what this, is, this, this kind of move right here is, is to continue to have our hearts lifted up to God. I want you to think about the church, Think about the church you participate with. If you're not a member here, that's okay. Um, if if you're a visitor, this this may you may say, well, I don't know how to do this with you because I don't know very many people." Man, that's okay. Just hang with us. We'll get into the text in just a moment. But I want you to think about this fellowship of believers. So my name is John Elam. Um, I've been a member here for nearly 15 years, and it has been a joy to be a part of this church. Um, I have I have loved uh, ministry here. I've loved. Uh, serving here and and uh, getting to be a part of this fellowship and have been loved by a lot of great people in this church and enjoy the opportunity like to think about the future of what God will do with his people who are Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church. And, uh, man, that's a good thing. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I asked, I asked some of the pastors this past week this and some of the guys that I was having lunch with. I said, think about the church. Think about what God is doing in the church. And think about the part you see that maybe somebody else doesn't see. Now, we're, we're a large group, so we're not going to do this out loud. But we went around and we just asked everybody to say some things they were seeing that they thought maybe someone else didn't see. But see, those are the testimonies of God's activity. So I just want you to do that. Think about, think about your small group. Think about maybe your Sunday school class. Think about maybe one of your friends in the church. Think about a relationship that you have in this fellowship. Think about how God... Is the active mover. He is the one who is binding together his people through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who is moving. Now, week by week by week, who do we see? We see each other, don't we? We see each other in Sunday school. We see our pastors. We see the other leaders. We see our small group leaders. We see the team kid workers. There's gonna be a bunch of kids that go to kids camp this next week. They're gonna see a bunch of people who are their leaders and sponsors and junior sponsors and preachers and musicians. But who is actually acting? Who's moving? God is moving. Can can you lift up praise from your heart right now? That's kind of a weird (laughs) thing to think about. It's like we think about praise as being a thing we do when we sing. But I want you to praise God for that. Think about the thing that you see, that you know. Because you may know something that somebody else doesn't know. You may have experienced something in a relationship that nobody else saw. Now... Here's the converse of that. If, as you're sitting there thinking, man, I I don't know what I would praise God for, I want to tell you something, and I don't mean this as a rebuke, I mean this as an encouragement, you're missing out. You got to get involved, you got to get connected to people. You need people, and people need you. Can you hear that? I had a guy say this to me when I was a young man. A man had stuck with me. His name was Jeff Shepard. Jeff was an elder in my church, he was a Bible study leader. Taught me to teach the Bible when I was about 15 or 16 years old. And here's what he told me. He said, John, he said, the guy walking in the back of the church every week, you need him more than he needs you. You need him. You don't know how you need him yet, but you need him in your life. Because God is the one who fits the body together. I want you to see that this morning. What do you see that nobody else sees? Now, I'm not trying to get you to say it for anybody else. I want you to praise God for it. Give that back to him as praise. Give that back to him as worship. Give that back as a testimony of God. This is your grace poured out in me. This is a bonus. It's like our music, right? This is just an extra bonus. It's an extra good thing I got, you know? So I want you to think about that. It's just a just kind of a freebie, but it'll tie into our sermon in a minute. Go to the book of Proverbs chapter 22. Man, I'm, I'm kind of nervous about preaching this, but I'm going to do it. It was... On my mind, and I thought I'm going to go for it because this could go really wrong. I'm telling you right up front, this one could go terribly wrong (laughs) because we're going to talk about something that um, is—it's a little tricky. We're going to talk about how you think other people think about you. You see how that could go wrong in a hurry? Like, I mean, that could go—that could go sideways. We could left turn this thing hard and be off in the ditch, and be like, Jason, don't you ever let that guy preach up here again. But we're going to think about this morning. How you think other people think about you. And I think it's a helpful exercise, and I'll explain to you why in just a moment. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1. Here's what the Word of God says to us. I think it'll be on the screen. Do we have that up there? A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. Another way to say that is a good reputation. Some translations use the word reputation. We're going to be talking about reputation this morning. A good reputation is to be desired, is another translation. That's kind of the one I like. Over great wealth and favor with other people is better than silver or gold. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, would you take the reading and the preaching of your word this morning and minister to us by the power of the Holy Spirit? Father, we ask that the Spirit would stir us to give praise to Jesus Christ, our Lord, our living hope. And God, we pray that we would have a conscience that is bound, that is tied closely by faith to who he is, his mission, what he's called us to do, and that the Spirit would connect us, God, that you would be at work continuing to move and shape and change us in the inner man. And God, we want to have a reputation, that brings honor and glory to you. We say this for Christ's name and for his glory and all God's people said amen. So when I asked that question a moment ago, I want you to see the connection. What do you see that maybe nobody else sees that God is doing, God is the active mover here in the church, in relationships, in connection, in ministry that you would praise him for? And it's just a small step to recognize that that is someone's reputation. Almost always that's going to be connected to some person. The things that we experience, it's connected to somebody. And so now we're going to reverse that. And I'm asking you, how do you think people see you? Are you someone, just being honest, that could say, I think people think I have a good reputation. And that's why I say this is a weird sermon to preach because we tend to teach people to not think about what other people think from a Christian perspective. We say, well, you should only care what God thinks. But can I, can I offer something to you? That's dangerous thinking because it's, the Bible's kind of big. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like if you've tried to read through it the whole year, sometimes we, we, we'll bog down in the Old Testament real hard. I don't know if you ever have. I, I, I'll be honest. I have bogged down super hard in, in Numbers and Leviticus, and I've just had to skip sections to keep going. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Now, that doesn't mean I haven't done it before, but, but the Bible's big. And it's easy, can I just say this to you, to pick and choose the parts you like to read. But you know what you don't get to pick? What other people think about you. You, don't, you really have no say about that. You have no say. Well, let me back up. You do have some say, and we'll talk, that's why we're preaching this sermon this morning. You do have some say, but ultimately it's not up to you because they're independent from you. And you say, but, but I mostly want to know what God thinks about me. And the reason we're going to talk about this today is it's easy to deceive ourselves into thinking we're something that we're not. It's easy to do that. We all have the propensity. So let me offer a couple of warnings before we get too deep in this warning. Reputation is a, it can be folly, okay? It really can. Now, I know none of you do this, so we're only going to talk about the people who aren't here, okay? But, and that's easy to do because... We aren't like them. We never put the best versions of ourselves forward. Never. We don't do that. It's just the other people that do that, right? We never curate our own image. Now, I, I can't say this with honesty. Brian Billings doesn't do this. He never curates his own image on social media because Brian Billings doesn't use social media. But anybody else who uses social media, there's this overwhelming temptation to make yourself look better than you are or even if you don't go that far, to only present the parts of you that you want seen. Does that make sense? So you present the parts of your political life you want seen, or you present the parts of your family life that you want seen, or you present the parts of your, um, your social life that you want seen. And, and there's, a, there's a strategy in it. There's a strategy. I'm trying to evoke something in somebody else that they might think a particular way about me. Can I tell you that that is not what we're talking about today? We are not talking about a reputation that you curate, that you cultivate, that somebody might with other people so that they would have a more favorable view of you, but that is potentially false or at best only partially true. Now, what we're looking for here, what this text teaches us, and we're going to get into 2 Corinthians in a moment because I think it's it's a really powerful passage we're about to read together. What this, what this text teaches us is that we should desire an honest reputation, an honest understanding of ourselves with other people, and that, that if we could ever get that, if we could have this reputation, not of perfection, but of honesty, like this is who I am before people, and I'm known, you can, I'm not afraid for you to know me, that that is more valuable than all the money you could ever accumulate because it's not false. It's true. So let's move forward here this morning as we kind of get in. We're going be going to look at First Corinthians a little bit this morning. excuse me, second Corinthians and uh, start reading in verse number. We'll just start in verse one. How's that? Just make it easy. And uh, do we have that up there? Yeah, I'm reading in the NIV. We've got the ESV up here, so it may be a little different. You just read along as you want. It says now brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given. The Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy, their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected. This is key right here. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. We're going to camp out right here. What an incredible reputation. I want you to know about the grace that God gave to the Macedonian churches. So this is, an, this is a past event. Your reputation is almost always tied to what you have done like actual things, who you are, what you've done. And, and honestly, there's parts of our past that we don't want known. We're a little bit ashamed of. But the, the, the crux of Christianity is God knows and loves you anyway. I want you, to, I want you to really own that today. God knows you, warts and all, and loves you as you are and desires that you would be made new over and over and over Again, so let's get some context here. So there's there's a really difficult thing happening in Jerusalem. There's starvation, there's suffering. It's ongoing, like it's not short-lived. This is the thing that's continuing. It's a persistent problem in the church in Jerusalem. And the church in Jerusalem is headquarters. It is mission central. It's where Jesus began the church through the power of the resurrection. He rose up into the heavens, and he said, I'm going to send the Spirit. And the Spirit came and emboldened the apostles. And Peter stood up to preach. 3,000 were saved, and off to the races we go. The ministry of the gospel is present in the earth. The church is born. And, and, And all kinds of testing and trials and difficulties happening right there. I mean, we're talking just ground zero for the work of God in the earth. So shortly after that, we have Paul and Barnabas going out on these missionary journeys, winning people to Christ, proclaiming the death, burial, and resurrection and new life that comes in Jesus, telling the story of the church. That's what they're doing. They're telling the story of what God has done in people like you and in people like me everywhere they go. This is is what God is doing. He is redeeming and He is saving and He is changing people. And a part of that story was He told what was going on in Jerusalem. And so in Macedonia, there's a group of churches, and there's churches out here, right? There's churches all over the place. Well, there, these are new churches. They're, they've just been established. New groups of people who are named by the name of Christ, gathering, worshiping, hearing the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, caring for one another, loving one another, singing and praying, anointing each other with oil when they're sick, just, just doing the ministry of the gospel to each other. And they hear about the suffering of their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And the Macedonians were really poor. This isn't a sermon about giving. It's a sermon about what kind of reputation you have. They were really poor. And Paul says, notice what he says, I want you to know about the grace. So all of what we're about to talk about is a gift of God's grace that by faith was received. There was faith to trust God that what he was about to lead them in was from him. It was the will of God. So I want you to know, Corinthian church, about the grace God gave to the Macedonian churches. Isn't that a great, I wish we talked like that more often. We don't talk that way as much. I wish we talked that way. I want you to know about the grace of what God has done and it's a specific thing that he did. This group of people set aside an amount of money that they could not afford to give. They dipped into their own poverty, and in their overflowing joy toward God, they gave to to alleviate the suffering, just partially, to partially alleviate the suffering of their brothers and sisters who loved Jesus in Jerusalem. You see that picture? That's their reputation. And where did their reputation come from? It came from the grace of God. So now we're going to take a step back from this text. I want to ask you this. How do you think people think about you? And we'll start with the people that know you the best. How do you think your family thinks about you? And I know some of you are like, whoa, I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) Because it's tricky, isn't it? When you live with a group of people over time, maybe for an extended period of time, it's got its ups and downs. That's just real. That's just real. And there's some days it goes really, really well, and there's other days it doesn't go as well because we're all just people. Even if we love the Lord, even if by faith we're trying to follow Jesus, we don't always follow well. We're not always on the button when it comes to our discipleship and our obedience to Christ. So how do you think about other people like your family thinking about you? What kind of reputation do you think you have with your friends? That one's a little simpler, right? Friends are easier. Here's why. Because we typically seek out people who are like us to be our friends. You know, does that make sense? We rarely are really close friends with people who are wildly different than we are, except in one location, and that's the church of Jesus Christ. In the church, God brings groups of people together who are Dramatically different from one another, and He unites us together by the tearing down of the walls of separation that would cause us to separate from one another. And He unites us by the Spirit. He He teaches that in Ephesians chapter two that God unites His people. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about just the everyday people you hang with, your friends. What do you think they think about you? Well, let's go out one past that. Maybe a little less connected, your coworkers. What kind of reputation do you have with your coworkers? Let's go past that now. How does the church see you? This one's tricky, man. If I'm just honest, this, this is maybe the hardest one. Because there's a grave temptation when you come to a meeting like this, a Sunday meeting or a Sunday school meeting or a Wednesday meeting or a prayer meeting, to hide everything that's wrong with you. And to be fair, not every meeting is a place for everybody to expose all their junk, right? That's just honest. I mean, that's real. But there are times where we've got to be face-to-face, honest with one another about the things that are in us. If we want to receive God's help, we need one another. And there's times where you're going to need someone to get up in your grill, and they can't get up in your grill and say what needs to be said, If they don't know you, they got to know you. See, this reputation deal is tricky, man. It's tricky. If you present yourself in a particular way that's not honest, how can you actually, and I'm going to use this phrase, get better? We're, We're supposed to get better at this, right? We're supposed to get better at following Christ. I mean, by faith, we are supposed to learn the way of Jesus. Now, again, we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about progress. We're making progress with the Lord. That's an old way of talking about what is the daily reality of trusting the the, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the promises of God to move forward with Him. Last one I think is really important. How does the world, outsiders, see you? Now, I'm going to add you together, okay? Let's do that. Let's just put all the individuals together and you... Make up a church. You collectively with a couple of other groups of people who meet at 9, 45, and 11 o'clock are Lincoln Avenue Baptist Church. When we were meeting last week, when we were talking about, and I asked that first question, what do you see that maybe nobody else sees because of your particular perspective that you would give praise to God for, that He's doing? One of the brothers said this, and I thought it was beautiful. He said, our church has a good reputation because people see what we do in our community. Man, I, I, that was, that's beautiful to me. I want to be a part of a people, and I want to do my part of being a part of a people that people would see our good works. So I'm quoting Matthew 5 here, right? That they would see our good works and give praise to God. God receives praise from all kinds of people, even unbelievers, because he is happy when people recognize the transformative work His Spirit brings in the lives of His children. So our our church, is it a perfect reputation? Of course not. That's not the point. The point is, as a group of people, have we pointed ourselves at the things of God? Are we pointing ourselves toward His mission, toward His mercy, and is that demonstrable practically? Let me give you some things that I think we should, we should do here as we think about it. Well, before we do that, here's how important this is. When Timothy is talking about who can be a leader, and I don't have the text to put it, but I'm just going to tell you the story. So Paul appoints Timothy to be this, this pastor, elder guy in, in Ephesus, and his job is to train people, to lead, to appoint other elders to essentially get churches organized in a way that they can be functioning bodies of Christ in their community. That's Timothy's job. And so Paul writes to him a letter, and he says, here's how you need to make sure you handle that. And when you're appointing an elder or a pastor or an overseer or bishop, all those words are used interchangeably here. When you're appointing one of these guys, he's got to have a good reputation, he says, with outsiders. Man! Talk about a Talk about a hook shot out of left field. Why in the world are we caring what people who aren't us think about us? Why would we care about that? Shouldn't we mostly care about who could get the right amount of votes inside the group? Isn't that how we should have po- No. Paul says this person has to have good reputation in the community in which they live in order to lead and serve a group of people who are going to go out and do good deeds in front of other people. This can't be artifice. This can't be half-hearted. This can't be fake. It's got to be real. It's got to be real. And your leaders have to be real. Again, not perfect, but real. They've got to be able to be known. They've got to know others and be known by them. So when we're thinking about reputation, we're just thinking about like, I've got like five here, and you could probably name some more. What's your reputation in your family? How do people see you? What's your reputation among your friends? That one's easy. What's your reputation among your coworkers? That one can be a little trickier That one because they're going to see when you when you're frustrated. They're going to see when you when you're maybe not at your best. What's your reputation with the church? That one, I already explained that one. That one's tough because we have a tendency to make it better than it is. And then we say, what's your reputation with outsiders? How do people who aren't you see you? Or, and you may know, they may have told you, but a lot of this is supposition that we're doing this morning. We're kind of guessing what we think other people think about us. Again, that's dangerous, but I think it's a healthy exercise. And in a moment, we'll see why we think that's a healthy exercise. But let me just give you a handful of things that I think we should look at when we think about reputation. Let's just do that real quick. When you think about reputation, you should think about these things. Direction and disposition, not perfection. What is the direction of your life? What is the disposition of your character? Not, are you perfect? Because the reality is we're all a step away from stupid most days. Is that right? We're just one step away from stupid just all the time. Truly. You've experienced the person, I guarantee it, every one of you have experienced the person who took the stupid step and it landed on you. And you're like, well, I wish they wouldn't have done that. Golly, that created this problem, that problem. And their stupid step got on you. The truth of the matter is you have taken the stupid step and it Cause a problem for someone else because we all have, every one of us, and we continue in that reality. So what we're, what we're thinking about here as we think about our reputation is I'm orienting my life toward the things of God. I'm pointing my life toward the way of Jesus. That's what I'm doing. And, and then with that comes a disposition of character, of how, of how I'm following him. Second thing, reputation, we we should always be the kinds of people, and I'm, I'm saying this as Christian people, who put more emphasis on what we are for than we do on what we are against. We'll say that again. You as a Christian believer should put more emphasis on what you are for than what you are against. Now, should we be against some things? Absolutely. Absolutely we should. Sin is destructive. It will wreck you. It will wreck your family. It will wreck your company. It will wreck your church. Sin, when left alone, unrepented of, unchecked, it will be incredibly damaging to you and the people around you. Should we be against sin? Absolutely, we should. I think the way we are most effectively against sin is by being for the things of God, by being for faith. By being for love. By being for humility. We'll talk about that again in a moment. By being for obeying the teachings of Jesus. But there's a temptation when you curate a public image, and and, and this probably isn't for everybody, but there's some people this is real for you. You are mostly known for what you don't like because that's mostly what comes out of your mouth. I want to challenge you And I mean this in a brotherly love kind of way here. I want you to receive this well. You're for a bunch of things that Jesus is for because you're his. You, you You got in line with him. By faith, you follow him. Make that known. Let that come out of your mouth. Let that come out of your hands and out of your feet. What you are for. Part of your reputation isn't just direction and disposition It's the things that you out loud say to other people that matter to you, that you are pro, you're for this. Third thing, reputation in the way that I mean it as a Christian reputation is marked out very specifically by the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see that. No one is gaining a positive Christian reputation in the life of the church, in their family, with their friends, in the co-workers, amongst outsiders apart from the work of the Spirit. No one gets that right. No, And here's how we know that. If we, in and of ourselves, could create the moral transformation we need, the personal and spiritual transformation we need by just gutting it out, by trying harder, by doing better, we would not need... The work of Christ at the cross. The work of Christ at the cross is instrumental to new life. It's resurrection. Because of his death on the cross and his power and resurrection, that life, that Paul says, we have that resurrection life. And then he talks about it in these really strange ways. He talks about it as being fruit of a tree. He says, the Holy Spirit is in a sense planting a seed in you, the seed of salvation, and when it grows up, it produces particular kinds of fruit. He talks about this in the book of Galatians. He talks about it elsewhere all through the New Testament, though. And it's love, and it's patience, and it's kind. He gives you this long list of characteristics of people who have been taken over by the Holy Spirit. And, And we have this tendency to think the ministry of the Holy Spirit is some kind of weird thing, but it's not. Now, can it get on you in a way that makes you act like, man, I tell you what, sometimes when we're singing, there's there's some getting stirred up in me because these are truths worthy of rejoicing in and shouting about. I'm just saying, that's right on, that's good, that's profitable to give praise to God. But most of the work of the Spirit that we're after is the deep work of character transformation. That's mostly what we're interested in. Can we become patient people when we're not naturally patient? And let's just go one step further. When they don't deserve patience, they don't deserve it. What they deserve is a throat punch, right? They deserve a throat punch. And because we follow Jesus, we don't give a throat punch. We give grace, right? You see that? That's the indwelling work of the Spirit abiding in us to produce a fruit in us. That's part of your reputation. Another thing that's really, and Paul just talks about it like we all ought to get it. I don't know how to get it. I don't know how to work this out. He just talks about it like we ought to understand it. He says he gives gifts to the church, and then he like appoints people to do different things. I'm like, man, I don't know how that works. I don't, honestly. But he says some people are called to do this, and some people are called to do that, and other people are called to do this. And, some people, and I'm like, well, okay, I guess we have to sort that out amongst ourselves because the Holy Spirit is our help to figure that out. That's part of your reputation. You've got to find out where you're supposed to serve and you've got to get in that line and you've got to follow it for a long time. How am I supposed to serve with people like you? And how are you supposed to serve with people like me? Imperfectly, but together. That's that reputation piece. Fourth thing, um, we have to see that our reputation is this, is this culmination. It's like this adding it all up of our faith being tested over and over and over and over again. Every day, your faith, my faith, is on the testing block. It's it's being tried, Paul says, in a kind of fire, which is just life. And why it's hard at times is Jesus is always calling you to go counter to what a bunch of unbelieving wisdom would call you to do that on the surface would seem right. Does that make sense? Let me give you the example. Let's go back to the throat punch example because all of you, you laughed, so that makes me think you know something that maybe I I know too, right? We all know something. Maybe all know that same circumstance. There's a kind of wisdom that says, give it to them. Let them have it. And yours may be the verbal throat punch and you're just gonna you're just gonna dress them down in front of everybody and tell them how it is. You're gonna set them straight. You're never gonna talk to me that way. You and this one now, this one's real for a bunch of moms and dads. You are not gonna talk to my kid that way. You're not gonna do that to my kid. Well, hold on. Hold on. You don't know how God's gonna work. You don't know what God will do with your I should submit myself to the Holy Spirit here. I should check myself, as the saying goes, before I wreck myself in some real public way and I do damage to my reputation amongst others. Would it not also be the case? Is there not also a converse of Matthew 5? Can we see that? Matthew 5, Jesus says these words to his people Shine light. Do good deeds in front of other people. Not in a way to get their attention or appreciation or applause, but he just means go live. Go live in this free and joyful and radical way, centering yourself not on your needs but on the needs of others so that people would give praise to God. Wouldn't it also be true that when we don't, they don't? I mean, is that that converse? Not every converse works, but I think that converse works. When we don't do that, they don't do that. When the church doesn't have a reputation in its community of good works, of kindness, of mercy, of good deeds, of care for those who have great challenges, whatever those challenges might be, when the church doesn't have that reputation, I think it's also true that we don't matter to our community. Whatsoever. And conversely, there's a whole bunch of people who don't return praise to God and see the the planted seed of the gospel. Because we haven't tested, we haven't, we haven't passed the test of our faith. So your reputation is your life in this kind of culminated sense that your faith is always on the testing block. It's always. Let me get that was four. I think I got like two more of these. Yeah, I got like two more. Maybe I don't have two more. Maybe I have no more. Oh, now we got two more. Here we go. Reputation, when you're not sure what to do. Here we go. So faith is on this testing block. It's this kind of thing. What what should your reputation be? Like like what kind of person should you be? I'm just going to give you a real practical help here. Read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Now, I'm not prioritizing them above the rest of the Bible, but they're really important that you read the Gospels because that's what the early church had. That was the sermon they got. If you see Jesus doing something, okay, here's, I'm going to give you this principle. If you see Jesus doing something and you can do it, there's a pretty good chance you should. Okay? Now, why do I say it that way? There's some things you shouldn't do. Like if, if someone of you would have walk in and start kicking over chairs in church today and like, you know, throwing out... All the donuts saying, you know, this should be a house of prayer, not a house of donuts. We'd be like, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute, those were for the kids. Like, we've got a radical misapplication of a text here. Something's gone wrong. You know, we, we set these chairs up so people can come and hear the gospel. So that's probably not one we want to go emulate, where Jesus is kicking over tables in the temple. But where you see Jesus showing great mercy to people, and then you have the opportunity to show great mercy to people, I'm just saying that's an easy one. Take yes for an answer and do it. Just go for that one. Do the things that you see your Lord doing. Don't make it complicated. Man, this guy over here really wronged me. Well, he didn't even ask for forgiveness. He's not even acknowledged that he did it. And you think, Jesus. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, you're like, well, that was different. He was on the cross... I don't know if it's different or not, actually. Maybe it's not different at all. Maybe we're to be marked out by the kind of radical forgiveness that comes out of the heart of Jesus. Maybe that's a mark that should exist in our life. So you see some things that Jesus is doing. This is super simple discipleship. A lot of times we make discipleship way complicated. Discipleship is actually simple. It's just hard to do it. You don't want to do it. That's the problem. I don't want to do it enough. That's just it. it. I just don't want to do it enough forgiveness stinks because you want to throat punch them and in reality you're supposed to bless them but it only stinks because I'm not enough like Jesus you see that? that's my problem my problem is I'm not enough like him so I don't want to do it enough but guess what's true the longer I stay on this path the better I'll get at it that's just true Got to stay on this path. By faith, I have to keep going this way. Show mercy. Give generously. Speak truth. Pray. Devote yourself to the Word of God. Do what you know to do before you look for the next thing you should give your attention to. There's just a whole bunch of nuts and bolts kind of stuff. And one of the analogies I love, and it's a football analogy, there's just some real simple things. There's some blocking and there's some tackling that has to go, I'm not even a football guy and I get that. I watch a football game and I can tell that if a guy does his job blocking and another guy does his job tackling, the game goes a lot better. It's just the simple stuff. Get the simple stuff right, the rest of it works itself out. So my reputation is gonna be shaped, remember reputation is what I think, well it's really what other people think about me, but I don't always have access to that. So now I'm having to project, I'm having to guess what other people might think about me and I'm trying to do that in a way that I'm, I'm getting good feedback. I'm actually getting some right information from other people who interact with me so I don't deceive myself. I don't want to be deceived. I want to I I measure rightly. So I need to have that kind of thinking in my mind. Fourth thing about reputation, or no, this is like six. This is six, and then we're going to move on. These are just real quick ones. When you're not sure... And I want you to listen real close to this. When you're not sure what to do, be humble. When you're not sure, like, well, I don't know what I should do in this particular circumstance. Okay, we're, remember, we're, we're, we're developing a reputation with other people. How do we think about that? When I'm not sure, humility is the safe bet. When I'm not sure, humility is the safe bet. Another way of saying that, and this is broader but it, than just humility, whatever you would do on your own, don't do that. <laughs> like whatever your instinct is, pretty good chance you shouldn't do that. And there's a high likelihood that almost its mirror opposite is what Jesus would tell you to do. I used to have a buddy, that's what we would always say. Like write down what you think you should do, and there's a good chance that God's plan would be the 180 degree opposite of that plan. Because my plans aren't his plans. And I can promise you this. Humility, it's like that forgiveness deal, man. It is not very fun. You got to choke stuff down. I mean, for real. Like, sometimes we can dress it up and make it seem better. But sometimes you're just taking the low road. And you're like, but if I take the low road, someone will walk on me. And I'm saying, yeah, they will. If I take this lower path and put myself in this low position rather than this high position, someone will take advantage of me. And I'm telling you in advance, straight up, honest Abe, they will. It will go just like that. But here's how you know it's right. God opposes opposes proud people and he gives grace to humble people. You're like, well, but I thought I was saved because I got, I mean, I prayed and I was baptized and God's not opposing me. I'm a child. Well, hold on, hold on. This isn't an Old Testament concept. This is the book of James, New Testament believer teaching the church how we should live with each other. And he says, all of you that are still struggling with this pride, just know You tagged off of God's team and you jumped over on the other side. And I'm not saying you lost your salvation. I'm not saying you're not a child of God. I'm saying you got out of alignment with the things of God when you're acting in your pride. And this is me, man. This is you. This is all of us. Nobody gets off this hook. T.S. Lewis talks about pride as being the primary sin that everybody deals with. In an ultimate sense, pride is the thing that is everyone's downfall. So how do we get that right? I don't. So you just work it out. I don't want to be opposed by God. I mean, think, I mean, just work that out. I don't mind if I'm opposed by some of you because if some of you, I could outrun you in a foot race. It'd be fine. Like, you know, like you can't catch me. It'll, I mean, I'm not very fast anymore, but I can outrun some of you. It'd be okay if I'm opposed by you. I'm never getting off of the hook of the God of the universe, the creator of the almighty, the one who gave everything saying, I'm opposed to what you're doing when you act in pride. I'll never get off that hook. And the beautiful converse of that is, I get all of the grace I need, literally all the grace I could need, when in humility, I submit myself to God and to others. I get all I need. How would I do that? He'll he'll take care of you. Let's go back to the original thing we talked about. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He's like, man, we're going to take up this offering. We're going to be coming through there. I'm going to send Titus. Titus is going to come through there, and, and uh, you guys, I've already written to you about it. You know it's coming. You've been, you've been preparing. But he gives this testimony in this letter of the Macedonian church. He says, and he, and he tells them about their reputation. And he describes their actions as being a gift of grace, as something God did in their midst. So your reputation is really less about you, and it's more about your submission to God. It's really less about you, and it's more of your faith following the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the hook, ready? It's right and good for us to look at each other, to hear the stories of other believers, and check ourselves. It's right and good. Here's how we know. Verse number 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Man, whoa, that's heavy stuff. I want, I'm not commanding you, like this is not an obligation he's putting on anybody. Paul's saying, I'm trying to see you. I want to see you for who you are. I'm not commanding you, I'm not obligating you, I'm not binding you in some sort of legalistic fashion, but I want to see you, I want to know you. And he says, I want to test the sincerity of your love by seeing what it looks like in comparison to other people's love. Right there, Paul's saying, I'm really interested in your reputation. I'm interested in how this turns out for you. You see that? That's what he's saying. I'm interested in see how this turns out for you. You said you follow the Lord. I want to see how this turns out for you. I want to see his work in your life, and I want to praise God for it. See, we're we're finishing where we started, right? What's God doing in our in our church, in our lives, in our families personally, that we would give praise to him because he's the one who's doing it. And Paul says, I want to see how this turns out for you, church in Corinth. We're coming. The opportunity to test your faith is in front of you. I want to see what kind of reputation you end up with. Let me give you four areas to think about, and then we're going to be done. He says, uh, I, I think this I think we should think about our actions. I think we should think about our attitudes. I think we should think about our character. And I think we should think, and this one's not obvious, but I mean, I've got to put this one in there our relationships. I think those are boundary markers for your reputation, how other people perceive you. I'm saying again your actions, the actual things you do, your attitude that's the inward disposition as you do things, the character that's the inward reality of who you are deep inside when nobody sees you. There's no hiding character, character is what's true on the inside. And the relationships, and why I'm adding that fourth one in the relationships. There is no context for reputation if there is no relationship. So some of you are gonna say, well, the best way for me to have a good reputation is just to back out. I'm gonna back out from all these people. I'm gonna get away from them. And I'm gonna say, you can't. Holy Spirit won't let you. Not if you're a child of God. You gotta be with God's people, man. You gotta be in the church. You gotta be in the gathering of the saints for worship. You gotta pray together. You gotta hear the word of God. You gotta speak the word of God. That's on you. That's on me. We all do that to each other. We're to be those people who sing and Speak words of truth to each other encourage one another all the more as the day approaches, Paul says. All the more. So your reputation's a big deal. It's more valuable than all the money you got in your bank account or your 401k. The favor that comes with good reputation is way better than silver and gold. And we're not curating anything here. We want to go to Jesus. And we want to get a reputation that is shaped by the Holy Spirit so that you and I can be the kinds of people who live in a way that people would praise God for. Now, I want you to think about that right now. We're about to close. I really want your heart to be a praise factory right now. Like right now, I want you to shift. If you're thinking a bunch of, man, I'm I'm blowing it, that's okay. And if you've got some repenting to do, you do that in your heart before the Lord. But if there's room in this moment right now, I want you to start ginning up praise in your heart. Stir it up. Why? Because the reputations of God's people should result in that. Let me tell you about these churches in Macedonia. Golly, they are poor. But out of the overflow of their joy, they gave more than we would have ever expected by the grace from God. That's what Paul says to the church in Corinth. He's like, let me tell you a story about them that it might stir you up more so that you would know and praise God. That's what we're looking for here when we think about our reputations. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for uh, your word to us. I pray that we would take seriously who we are among other people. And God, if you've got deep work for us to do, repentance of sin, attitudes, actions, defects in our character, defects in our relationships, God, stir us up in that. Convict us of those things and let us clean them up. Help us to, by faith, trust you and and get on a right path with you, trusting your way and your grace. And God, I pray for, for all of us that we would be filled with praise at the grace that you have bestowed on so many, so many good things are done every single day in your name. And God, let us rejoice in your work. Because you're the one moving, God. We don't do this on our own. We do this by your leading through the Holy Spirit and by the truth of your word. Help us to be the kind of people who give praise and grace, praise for the grace that you've given to us in Christ. And all God's people said amen.